Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Hello, and welcome to episode 16. Today, we are talking about a topic that we know from our work will resonate with a lot of you because it's something that a lot of people talk about and have experience of and that is the topic of imposter syndrome. So we're going to be exploring in this episode what imposter syndrome is and answering that question of have you really got it? And also what else might happen that might prompt people to feel like they have got imposter syndrome. So Pam, is this a conversation that comes up with your clients on a regular basis by any chance? Yes, this comes up a lot because there is so many people that feel that they've got imposter syndrome and sometimes when you break it down you can actually question is it imposter syndrome or is it just a natural reaction to a situation that you're in and I suppose in some ways yeah it could be a little bit of imposter syndrome and a little bit of self-doubt mixed in but I suppose it's the awareness of it isn't it and that's why we wanted to talk about it today it's just the awareness of it because the more aware you are of what is going on in your head and, you know, what you're doing around your, your career progression, your day-to-day stuff, it's, if you're really aware of what's going on, then you can act on these thoughts and feelings and not let them drag you down and stop you from moving forward. Because at the end of the day, we're all about taking ownership of your career and moving forward, aren't we? Yeah, it is a conversation that comes up a lot and I think definitely one that we should address and really let's explore it and see what comes out whether let's talk about our own imposter syndrome stories and see what we think by the end of it yeah and I think one of the things that I find with this is there is a lot more conversation now than there used to be even a few years ago about imposter syndrome and people hear the definition and kind of latch onto it sometimes and feel like, yes, that's how I feel. And I think sometimes when I'm working with clients, one of the things that we explore is the definition and understanding, is it imposter syndrome that you've actually got? Or in my terminology, is it commoner garden mind monkeys that are getting chattery? So I think it's probably useful to define because that starts to then differentiate and help people to understand whether they have got it or not. So the definition that kind of is characteristic of imposter syndrome is that people have this constant gnawing feeling that they are not really justified in being in the position that they're in. And that can happen in life, but obviously we're talking about it specifically in jobs and in your career. So if you get promoted or you change jobs and you go into a new job, it's likely 
that if you have that doubt about whether you're really good enough, about whether you have the capability, it's very likely that changing jobs is going to make that flare up, for want of a better description. And true imposter syndrome is defined by feeling that you're a fraud, by struggling to internalize so other people will compliment you, tell you you've done well, and you don't take that easily, you don't take it on board. And again, a lot of people will struggle to take compliments on, but just because it's uncomfortable, whereas imposter syndrome would be a case of you think, God, if they knew the truth, I'd be found out. I'm really, it really wasn't down to me doing that. Anyone could have done that. What you struggle to understand why other people are impressed by you. So it's that feeling. And therefore, of course, there is a lot of anxiety because if you feel that you're not good enough, that you're just lucky to be in that role, you can't really figure out how the hell you got promotion or how the hell the interview panel gave you the job then of course that is going to create that pressure around oh god and now I've got it and now I've got to stop anyone finding out because I've got to be good enough to keep that at bay so that's the kind of classic definition of imposter syndrome is that feeling of I'm going to be found out I'm just lucky. It wasn't really down to me. Right place, right time. Anyone could do that. Those kinds of feelings. And then with that comes all of the regular self-doubt. So I know we've talked about our own experiences. So hearing that definition, do you think you have experienced imposter syndrome or not so sure? So when you talk about it like that, like when I think back to my first senior manager job, 25, um, I, I don't think that I did actually have imposter syndrome. Like when I think about it, because I felt like I'd worked really hard to get off of that position. Like I felt like I had worked really hard. I'd done all the planning beforehand. So previous 12 months, I've been making sure that I opened up new opportunities to experience new things. When an opportunity like this came up, I was able to talk through my experience at interview. So I had all of that planned. So when I got offered the job, it was more of a case of thank goodness for that because all that hard work has paid off. But then when I started the job, I went through a phase of feeling completely out of my depth because there's a whole range of things that kind of happened at the start there. And because... I was young and I looked young. People took or tried to take advantage of that. And some people were quite mean and that really knocked my confidence. And I had to put on this brave face and act like it hadn't. And at that time, I remember thinking, wow, this is what imposter syndrome feels like. But actually, I did have the experience to back what I was doing. So from that point of view, I didn't feel... Maybe I didn't feel like an imposter. Maybe I was just massively doubting myself in terms of, is it, was it rather the right time to make that move because maybe I needed some more experience or whatever it was at that time. But then when I do think back and reflect on it, it was absolutely the right time. And it was a huge achievement. And I recognize that. So when you look at it from that point of view, no, it probably was an imposter syndrome, but it's so easy to revert to, I feel like an imposter. What if they find me out? But actually, they could have 
dug really deep and they wouldn't have been able to find anything that showed that I wasn't capable of being in that position. So I suppose if anybody's listening, like, can, well, I feel like an imposter every day. What is making you feel like that? Because I know when I break it down with clients and like you say, imposter syndrome can lead to things like perfectionism, overworking, burnout, like lots of my clients will move jobs because they're so burnt out in the current job and not because they're being overloaded with work. A lot of the time it's because they are putting so much effort in because they don't want to be found out. And actually, when we break it down, we see that they've got so much good experience, but they've just not taken two minutes to reflect on that or to really lean into those good things and what they can, what they have achieved up to this point and what they can do going forward and what they bring. And it's a huge moment for a lot of people when we go through those achievements and we look at what have you done? Because I guarantee nine times out of 10, and I've had a conversation with someone like on Friday and it, she said to me, you know, there isn't much that I bring. I've not done much. And I'm like, you, to get to the position that you're in, you've done a lot. Whether you believe that, whether you can see that now, but we are going to explore this together and we are going to look at what you have achieved and what you bring to the table because I guarantee it's always a lot more than what you think. And I think a lot of kind of performance management and appraisal systems don't really help with this because certainly my employed career, so much of those conversations are around, particularly if you are capable, particularly if you are ambitious and you're wanting to move on in your career. So much of the conversation is focused on what next, what next. What's the next objective? What's the next box that I've got to tick? What's the next objective that I've got to deliver? What's the next thing that I need to have experience of in order to be ready for the move that I want to make in the future? And it feels a bit self-indulgent sometimes to reflect on your strengths and on what you've achieved. It feels not very British. It feels a bit kind of bragging and not being very modest. And I think that's really unhelpful when people do have imposter syndrome or even when you are doubting yourself because when you're so used to focusing on what you want to achieve next as opposed to that reflective and recognizing what you have achieved and what you are capable of then it skews the balance in your own head and your own thinking and we've talked before about writing cvs and you've talked through that process of reflecting and making sure that your achievements are there front and center in the CVs. And I think that's part of why people find CVs hard to write is because they're just not in the habit of recognizing and capturing their own strengths, skills, and achievement. So how do you, when you're working with somebody then who has got a job search going on, how do you help them? What questions do you ask them to help uncover? So if somebody's listening and wants to ask themselves those questions, what questions can they ask themselves to start to get into the habit of that reflective practice, recognizing their achievements? Okay, so the first thing that I do with all of my clients is I get them to do what I call a career map. And it's a really cool thing to do, actually. And 
loads of people will be thinking, oh, I've not got time for that. But honestly, it'll be the best half an hour or 45 minutes that you spend reflecting on where you've been. So what I usually say is look at the last 10 years and write down all of the job titles. Now, this is something that you will come back to. This is something that you'll be in the shower and you'll you'll get the thoughts coming through or you'll be walking the dog or you'll be in work. And so I always say as well, create it in something that you can go onto your phone and add notes to, or if you're going to put the notes in your phone, then you can transfer them later on. But make sure that when these thoughts come up, that you've got somewhere to take the notes. So what you have to do basically is go back through the last 10 years and for each position, you would ask yourself what went well, what what didn't I enjoy about this position? What did I learn in this position? You know, what where did I add value in this position? What did I deliver? And also you can think about how much, how much did I prepare myself for the next step up? And that's usually a key one because what most people will find is that they don't really prepare themselves at all for the next step up. What they're doing is they're just going through the day-to-day and they are almost firefighting in a way because they're going through the day-to-day and they're just trying to get through the to-do list and they just focus on the to-do list and they're going through that and the career progression or career development is always at the bottom of that. So once I get through the list, then I'll look at the career development. When in actual fact, if you flip that the other way and you think, okay, every day is part of my career development because every day I am working towards that next step up because I'm gaining new experiences. Now, if you do the career map and you go back through the last 10 years, what you will start to see is that natural progression. So even if you thought it was luck, that I got offered that position, even if you thought, oh, it was just the right place at the right time, or I'm not quite sure how I got there, you can go back through that career map and you can see what you did and what you delivered and what you achieved and what you learned right back through the last 10 years. And you'll start to see then, actually, do you know what? I'm better than I thought I was. I've done more than I actually remember. And it almost gives you that sense of absolutely no now where I've been, what I've delivered and also what I have enjoyed doing along the way. That's another key point, you know, what went well, but also what did I enjoy most about that role? Now, when I do that exercise with clients, loads of different things come out. So, you know, in terms of people think they want a career change, but actually when they do the career map exercise, what comes out is that they just want to do more of something else, like more leadership responsibilities or less leadership responsibilities in some cases and it just allows you to go through that and see what you bring to the table what you want to lean into more and it does really help with that imposter syndrome as well or that self-doubt because when you've got it all mapped out on a piece of paper and you're asking yourself those questions and some of those questions are difficult to answer and it can people really struggle with it and sometimes it, it, it can take people a week to get themselves together to create that career map so I think it's definitely a good exercise to start with and if it feels uncomfortable it's definitely the right thing to be doing and I'm smiling as you're describing it because although my work is with people that are already in leadership roles typically some of the things that come about are so similar so I will get people to reflect on their strengths their skills what they bring 
who they want to be in this leadership role and strengths and achievements, people will squirm. You can see that people are finding and they can tell me 17 things that they still need to learn. Or if they're talking about what's been happening at work, they can tell me all of the challenges, all of the things that haven't gone well. And that's what they're training themselves to notice. And, and when I'm flipping that and asking people, so what has gone well? What are you proud of yourself for over this however long since we last spoke? Those questions are the hard ones to answer. And absolutely agree with you. The harder they are, the more important it is that you ask yourself that question. I just want to talk as well a bit about the things that can trigger these experiences because I think whether it's full-on raging imposter syndrome or whether it's common or garden self-doubt, there are a number of times in your career that this is more likely to strike. So changing jobs is definitely a big part of it. When you change jobs, you're in an unfamiliar situation. You are less experienced in the new job than you were in the old job. So it is natural that there is going to be elements of self-doubt. And I still remember my late 20s. Mine was quite specific because I got promoted internally. And actually internally, I found that easier to handle. I was stepping up, learning the new role, and there were some challenges, but it didn't feel as big of a deal. The time when I really experienced that kind of self-doubt and like, oh my God, what's going on here, was when I was outward facing, when I was at events or conferences or meeting people. And there was this real kind of moment whenever I introduced myself to somebody new and was talking about my job title, it felt like a bit of an out-of-body experience where I was kind of, I'm not grown up enough to have this job yet. I don't feel like the kind of person that would have this level of role. And I, it felt really weird introducing myself to external contacts with that job title for quite a while. And so I think it's useful to know if you're either changing jobs or wanting to change jobs, that can be a real trigger for it. So don't panic if you experience it. I think another thing that can be a real trigger can be about how you are managed. So, so many people, when they are managed by a great manager, will notice less of the self-doubt, less of the imposter syndrome. And one of the things that I would always say is that part of your job as a manager and leader is to build the confidence of other people. It's to encourage them. It's to help them feel that you've got their back. When you do that as a manager or leader, you'll bring out the best in other people. But if you're in a situation where you're being managed by somebody who is the polar opposite of that, then that will tend to exacerbate all of those feelings. And I think it's useful to recognize the dynamic of the relationship that you've got with your boss and with other senior people and the kind of culture of the business. Because if it is a culture of being quite critical, being harsh, tearing people down, mistakes are not tolerated and there's a blame culture, those things are also going to exacerbate 
that self-doubt and those feelings of imposter syndrome. Imagine how much more anxiety producing it is to work in an organisation where you feel like the first mistake and you are going to be hauled over the coals versus being in an organisation where it's seen as a learning thing. It's natural. It's part of how people learn is by things not always going perfectly. The difference in those two types of culture, and we talked in the previous episode about the way that managers create microcultures within their team. So that might be about your team culture within the team that you're working in, but it can also be about the business. Do you see that differential with your clients? Do you see a difference depending on what kind of culture they're coming to you from? Yeah, massive. Like, you know, people, when you start breaking it down with clients, that is one thing that always comes up. What is the environment like that you work in? What is the culture like? And what you tend to find is the the more the environment leans towards you can't make a mistake because if you do it to the end of the world, you've got to be perfect. You've got to put in all of these hours because the managers do or the other senior leaders do. It just becomes a place where you can end up in burnout. And lots of clients come to me because they're so burnt out that they just need that support with the job search, but they've just got no energy for it. So I see that a lot. And when we explore it and we break it down, sometimes they do think at the start of working with me that it's them it's got to be them because you know the other people they're performing really well they're on the ball they're putting in all these hours but this person they just can't keep up and I see that a lot and I've started saying to people you probably feel like you're alone in this but actually a lot of my clients feel like this and a lot of my clients come to me because they're so bent out and they just need somebody to give them that boost of support with the job search to get them out of there. And I think if you are in that situation and you feel like you're on this hamster wheel and nothing that you ever do is good enough and you constantly feel like you're comparing yourself with other people, you know, you should definitely stop and think, is this comparison fair? Is there anything I can do to change? Now, if there isn't and it is genuinely the culture, the environment, the people, then it is time to think about moving because not all companies are like that. And sometimes people think, I don't want to jump out of the frying pan into the fire. But if you are aware of what you don't want, and that's also what the career map can help you with as well, because you can look at the different roles and what you didn't enjoy and what you don't want to do again going forward, then you can make sure that your next move is completely planned out and that you ask the right questions in interview because I'm now encouraging my clients to ask about culture, about different leaders, about how it works, about expectations at the interview because you don't want any surprises when you start. An interview is a two-way process and the only way you're going to make it a two-way process is if you ask the questions. Now, People always shy away from asking questions. They feel like asking questions about the leaders, about the culture and things like that could put the company off. But if you're in a situation where you've had a tough time, then you want to make sure that you're not going to go in there for a repeat. So it's absolutely fine to ask those questions. And even if you're not in a tough situation, it's good to ask those questions and get a feel for it. So you go into that job informed and you can see a lot and find out a lot from asking those questions at interview as well you can see from the reaction on their face and you can you can hear it from how they answer the questions and 
if imposter syndrome is something that you have felt a lot, then you want to make sure that you are pre-qualifying this stuff before you get there. You want to make sure that before you make the decision, it's you've got all of the right information and you're really informed on what you're moving into because it's it's so exciting getting the offer, but you just need to make sure that it's right and it's the right company as well. And that I would always encourage if you recognize that full imposter syndrome is something that you have experienced or are prone to experiencing, to think about the well-being type approach of companies. Because one of the things that often happens is if you're anxious about getting caught out or you don't feel that you're good enough, which is the root really with imposter syndrome, then there's a real danger that people will overwork, that they will put in more and more hours, that they will really push themselves to try and prove themselves, to try and stop other people finding out that they're not good enough. And so if you know that you're prone to that, it's so important to be within businesses that take well-being seriously and that don't add to that expectation. And that can be easier said than done. There are some environments and situations where overwork is just a massive part of the industry. But even within that, there will be some businesses that do a better job than others of promoting and encouraging and looking after people. So the worst thing is to put yourself in a situation where everybody is working really hard because you will naturally feel like you have to work twice as hard as everybody else to avoid being found out. So don't put yourself in that situation. And the other piece of advice that I give to people when they're feeling this way is to find somebody that you respect and to ask them about their experience of self-doubt and to just ask that question. Do you ever struggle with this? Do you ever doubt yourself or feel some of this stuff? Because what that does is nearly always results in the other person going, yeah. (laughs) And, And you're looking at this person thinking, but how could you possibly doubt yourself? You're incredible. I really respect you. That's why I've picked you to ask but that person will because everybody doubts themselves to some degree not everybody experiences full-on imposter syndrome but there are times and situations for everybody unless they are full-on psychopaths you're unlikely to choose them as a being somebody that you respect so when you have that conversation it can start to take some of the power away because what you can do is realize even the most incredible people who are capable, who have achieved so much, who you can see from the outside, you can objectively see. And it's almost when you're on the outside looking in, you're seeing their capabilities, their achievements, what they've done. And actually other people are looking at you in the same way. You just don't see yourself with the same lens that you see other people. But opening up that conversation and realizing that these incredible people that you really respect have some of that feeling as well and do doubt themselves and do feel some of the same things can be just incredibly like reassuring. You suddenly realize that no matter what, you're never going to get to a stage where you don't doubt yourself. You're always going to have that. And it won't always be crippling and take over your life, but there will always be degrees of it. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think for me as well, like one of the things that I've found that really helps me is creating like that positive self-talk in my mind. And every time I, and I've had to really train myself to do this and I'm not perfect at doing it, but I try really hard. Every time that I try to bash myself, every time I try to, you know, it's those thoughts, isn't it, that go on in your mind. Somebody who you would maybe compare yourself to or something happens and you start beating yourself up. And as soon as I start with that negative self-talk, I pay myself now to say, stop, that's really unfair. Where's the evidence? And it's been really useful. I'll literally just stop what I'm doing and just be like, where is this coming from? Why is it coming through like this? What is going on? Do I need support? Do I need to think about something? Do I need to ask a question what is going on and doing that has really helped and it almost improves your confidence as well now I've been doing it for years and years and it was a mentor back in like my early career that told me to do that because I would sit with her and we would go through everything and I'd be like I'm so stupid because of this I should have known this and the position I'm in now I shouldn't have said that I shouldn't have done this I should have known better all of this and she said I've just listened sat there and listened to you bash yourself for 20 minutes where is the evidence that the people feel like that that you were wrong in those situations or that you shouldn't have said that where is this coming from and it does link back to that self-doubt and that imposter syndrome like when you feel like you're out of your depth or when you're comparing yourself to others it's so easy to bash yourself and it just becomes that negative cycle and if you allow yourself to do it you just carry on doing it. You carry on doing it and you've got to break that cycle and switch it around. And there's so many people out there that do have imposter syndrome who do have that self-doubt, but can still move forward. So deep down, they know. And we were talking about this earlier where we, they know what they're capable of. They know what they're good at, but they allow that negative self-talk creep in and to really get a hold of them. And you just wonder if you could stop that, if you could spin that around, how much faster would you be able to move forward? Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, I could talk about this all day, but it's a good time now to wrap up. And I think that takes us nicely into one of the things, the impacts that it can have is if you already don't feel good enough, then putting yourself out there for a new job or a promotion can be incredibly hard it's a protective mechanism where you won't put yourself forward for things because you already don't feel good enough in the role that you're in and if you do put yourself forward for things one of the things that you can really struggle with is negotiating on package and on what you want in exchange for that and that's going to be the topic for next episode because we know that negotiating package is something that is a real challenge so thanks as ever for joining us with this episode we are available on apple podcasts on spotify and anywhere else you listen and as ever we would really appreciate if you've enjoyed the episode that you tell others about it and give us a rating or review and we'll be back next week to talk through how to negotiate thanks for joining us Exciting news from us. If you're an ambitious leader or manager earning 50k or more and you're ready to take your career to the next level, we have an opportunity for you. Introducing Catalyst Career Club, your secret weapon for unlocking career success. As a member, you'll get access to monthly live training sessions, exclusive job opportunities, 
and the ability to get personalized advice from us on your toughest career challenges. We've helped thousands of driven leaders like you secure significant pay rises, land dream roles and thrive in their careers. And now we want to support you in achieving your most ambitious career goals too. Membership is just $6.99 per month with no contract or tie-in. And as a special bonus for being our podcast listeners, you can use the code podcast at checkout to get your first month for just £1. Head over to PamelaLangan.com forward slash Catalyst Career Club to sign up now and we'll see you inside.